Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cross Border Kyle here on Asia Tech Podcast. I am joined today by a very, very exciting guest. Uh, Raj, uh, give us a little intro of who you are and what you're up to. Sure. So I'm Raj Sodi. Thanks for the uh, invite, Kyle. And I'm Raj Sodi from um, from the U.S., but I've been in China for the last 10 years. Uh, I currently am a CEO of GUWOO.io. We're developing a decentralized education model for early education and also CEO of Solbit Group. We started in the area of robotics and education. Right on. Well, well, Raj, just before the show, we were talking a little bit um, about our similar paths um, of, of travel, if you will, or, or, or kind of moving through the world. So you were mentioning to me you were, you were raised in the U.S., um, in the Midwest, like myself, moved to California and moved to China. Um, what brought you along that type of path? Why, why that direction? So uh, I've been coming to China since 1994, and uh, just found a fascination for the culture as it, you know, personally connects me to my own personal roots. Uh, but I was given the opportunity to learn uh, to learn Mandarin out here, and then uh, came back uh, almost uh, 14 years later uh, in 2008, and embarked on a journey where we are, you know, moving towards, you know, transforming learning as we know it into a digital age. Um, came from Chicago originally moved to California, and then moved to China. Been living in numerous cities, seeing uh, both the cultural roots and the the modern cities uh, emerge in China. It's just, it's been phenomenal. Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show. Well, and you were, you were just a few years before me. So you got to see a lot of things kind of start up. So with Shenzhen in particular, where you're at now, what's changed from, you know, the landscape to even uh, technology or education? What do you, what has happened since you got there to where you are today? So it's, it's like we say, you know, how dog years are for dogs. So it's like uh Shenzhen years because uh, <laughs> things change every, every quarter here. If not, if not faster, you look up and you see a new building or high rise just coming up and you, you didn't see it the weekend before. So from a, from a landscape standpoint, you've got modern buildings that are right next to local villages that are next to incubators on every corner to uh, Huachan Bay where you can actually find and prototype anything you have in your desire on a minute's notice that you just you know take a train or subway down to Huachan Bay and can make anything you want. So in terms of living and you can live in the village, you can live in the modern in the modern area in Shenzhen, or you can live you know you can live at the beachside. On the beaches here in Shenzhen, so it it really provides um, it really provides uh, a, a modern lifestyle, but also it, it, you you don't forget where you where, where Shenzhen originally came from because a lot of the, a lot of the things are never forgotten and they also are very uh, culturally attuned here. They're they're they definitely respect where they came from. They remember where they came from and uh, they share. Wow, I I definitely felt the same thing too when I when I first arrived in Shenzhen. You know, kind of seeing that that uh, very friendly, you know, family style, warm, welcoming type atmosphere, very similar to what we had in the Midwest growing up. Like people were very genuinely wanting to help or wanting to share what knowledge they had, and and wanting to kind of um, 
cross-educate, if you will. Are you seeing anything similar to that where, you know, startups or just everyday people or technologists are, are wanting to kind of share and help each other out? That's exactly how it is. I mean, we, we, we've, I've gone through this, you know, company for the last uh, almost four years in various different uh, iterations. And we've, we've had to make, you know, numerous pivots along the way uh, as, a, as a means to, you know, meet market conditions, to meet investment conditions, to meet, you know, survival conditions. And what Sengen has really been been about has been it's really given us, like you said, a Midwest vibe. Uh, it, it's it's if people believe in what your vision is, what your mission is, that you generally want to do something something great, uh, they will uh, draw to you. You will find the right people. At least you hope you will find the right people <laughs> that you can align with. You know, that's that's key. You know, it's not just about you know being in a city that produces magic. It's about having uh, the maturity level and the the experience to know what chemistry is right for you and your team, and also look for and, and resonate to the right types of people, right types of experiences that you want to build your business around. I couldn't be said better. I mean, that's, uh, that's a, a, perfect, uh, a perfect statement, and especially for someone who works so heavily in, in education now. I, I think that's you know, education has become so important in our lives um, and, and has evolved. You know, uh, you mentioned you know, with Guru, you've, you've gone through several of those pivots, which I want to get back to. I want to hear about some of them and the lessons you've learned. But um, education as well uh, has had such a dramatic transformation um, in the past, I would say, five years, maybe even longer, uh, to where it has become so important um, about who you're working with or who you're meeting or who you are being educated with um, more than ever before. Are, are you guys seeing anything like this? Did this play a part into what uh, Guru really evolved or, or pivoted into? So we, um, <clears throat> just to give you a little uh, history about where we came from. So we started developing um, some educational content because we were thinking in the early days to build an offline uh, physical uh, um, set of centers for education. Uh, but then we realized that we really sucked at that and really were not good. And, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't interesting enough because there were a lot of other good, really good, uh, centers out there. And, uh, for, for then we then pivoted into the area of, uh, uh, taking the experience we developed on the content side and applying it to the hardware side. So we built, uh, several prototype versions of a, a robot companion. And we realized that there were a number of challenges that we, we had to consider, including, um, how do we differentiate ourselves from all the competition? Because this is Sengen after all. Mm-hmm. You know, prototypes and hardware is, is very easy to replicate. But it's the user experiences and what goes inside of it, the life that it brings outside of this hardware, that is, the, is a differentiator. So having the right team members that have, you know, user experience uh, understanding and what it takes to, you know, use uh, the, the unique uh, manners of what we, uh, in, how we interact with the robot is uh, is very important to have the right people to come on board. Uh, having the right um, uh, uh, mindset and technology around what kind of uh, technologies we need to integrate into the robot. For example, we use um, uh, a form of embedded AI, which is basically meaning that the, the AI itself resides inside the robot's brain without having to have a cloud connection. Because that was a requirement in working in China for us is that we have to provide a uh, uh, essentially a latency-free uh, interaction between the child, parent, and the robot, whether they're in the city, town, or village. Uh, and so that means basically having a, a model similar to the Tesla, 
where you have a specific scope of AI with education curriculum integrated into the robot itself. And then on a, re- on a remote schedule basis, with the Wi-Fi and, uh, and 4G that we built into the robot capability, that it can go to a substation and update on a schedule basis. And so this way, uh, you don't rely on a user experience where the child is actually learning you know, some area of STEAM, which is science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Whether they're 3 years old, 12 years old, they can be able to experience a, le- a lesson without interruption. And that way, it, it provides a seamless experience. And especially, we are using voice as the main interaction. So you interact just like with Siri and, uh, and, and Amazon Echo. We use a specific education domain expertise that we've built for the robot that the child can actually interact using their voice and be able to interact with the lesson, whether it's authenticating them to the actual robot experience, to actually learning math or English or Chinese, or actually uh, getting, you know, taking a picture of their environment. These are all um, uh, considerations we had to make for the education experience to be as seamless as possible. And it's still a very much development uh, process that we're undergoing right now. But because, you know, as technology changes, we have to also adapt. And that's what we've been, we've been doing through these iterations of Google and Sobit has been, we've been, we've been, we've been having to adapt uh, with the challenges to, that we've had to overcome. Wow. So you guys went from trying to produce content to creating robots. And, and with that robot, creating an experience that what sounds like, based on what you're describing, it's almost like a human interaction that the, the yes. children or anybody is, is, feels like they're interacting with a person versus reading an article or um, you know, clicking next uh, on an app. Um, that's pretty I mean, wild. The traditional model has been, you know, it's easy to build an app that says, Hey, just click on this button and you get into an app or, <laughs> you know, just a, a wake up word that says, Hey, wake up this robot and the robot will actually, you know, find a song for you. That's the easy route because you can partner pretty easily with certain companies here in China, but it doesn't provide you the privacy, doesn't provide you the security and doesn't provide you the, the, the necessary education outcome based learning experience that's necessary to take you ahead in the classroom. And what's the feedback been with, between uh, uh, children, parents, and the robot itself? I mean, is the robot you know, learning and improving? Are the children uh, finding it super exciting to, to engage on this level? Or, and are parents you know, seeing the value in, in return? Like, What's kind of the feedback that you guys are starting to see? So we are, we are still early in, in a development process. We're, we're in the in the latter stage of the robots development process, we're ready to go for production. Uh, I would say within the next uh, twelve months. Mm-hmm. But I can I can definitely say that uh, in the user experience and design experience we've been going through for making the robot itself, uh, we've engaged parents, teachers, uh, government, and children together in various different form- formats uh, and gotten their feedback as to what 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 they like, what they don't like. Everything from how it actually interacts. Since we have a projection, we have a projection model in the in the screen of the robot. There's no touch required between the child and the robot. So it's, as I said, it's all voice interaction. So it, it needs to be a kind of a robot uh, home companion experience, that like a human companion experience without having a movable move, move legs. It does move on wheels, uh, but we uh, we have taken the uh, uh, feedback 
and incorporated it into uh, uh, iterative designs and finally came up with a design, design that just people just purely love. And that's what uh, we were aiming for. So this is kind of more R2-D2 lovable robot versus a Terminator uh, type robot, it sounds like. Very family-friendly. Okay, cool. Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. Very nice. the, the other part, if I may, is uh, uh, after this experience, we realized that to create the actual content itself is, is, uh, is challenging because of just the sheer number of lessons mm-hmm. and interactive models we need to create because it's not just the lessons we've got to create, but it's the actual AI that needs to be integrated in these lessons and all the assets that need to be developed. So what we came up with, with, with is a model called Goo, which is essentially a, a model where teachers anywhere, along with the 3,000-plus uh, creators that we have globally that are involved, that actually create the assets like images, videos, sounds, animations, and so forth, to come together in a democratized model where they can actually be incentivized to create these content lessons, along with our creators, to develop across compatible devices, including the robot, that we would offer these lessons to. So they basically earn reputation and can either exchange the tokens they earn for the content that's viewed and used for either you know uh, supplies for their school or supplies for home learning or even you know uh, exchange for fiat in certain um, partnership conversations we're having with certain financial institutions uh, for actually uh, income, generating income. These are you know various models specific strategic models we're looking at because that's that's where that's where that's where it's going to be going and it helps us scale because we really believe you know co-creation is very very important moving forward for education. A hundred percent. I mean, we were talking just before the show of you know the idea of this uh, you know this next wave of education where when when we were growing up and, and going to school you know you went to the school, you know, down the street or within your city, when you went to university, um, you know, a lot of people stayed within their area. Then people started moving and going out of state and, uh, you know, graduate school kind of really was that next step. Uh, but nonetheless, there was a very systematic pass or path that you followed for education. And today where we are now is, I mean, you have traditional education, you have, um, Online universities, you have sites like uh, you know Udemy where you can learn, and Coursera, you can learn everything and anything. Um, yeah. You have uh, incubators and accelerators that are teaching about specific industries or businesses and bringing in mentors. And now you have what you've built with Guru that just really has created this next level of, of I think you you told me is how you were referring to it, is decentralized education where this this new movement is happening where people want to learn about so much or want to follow a traditional path but want to learn it from people anywhere uh whoever is an expert wherever they are at at any time is is this what you guys are still feeling like are you seeing this this next wave happen and sounds like you're leading it as well Uh, absolutely i was just in washington dc last week uh talking about uh, how blockchain, AI, and education are coming together and disrupting the whole industrialized model of education. It's going to, actually, it's going to be. And it already is emerging after I had conversations with certain folks uh, from the House, uh, from the House of Representatives, is that, you know, certain things that, you know, like you see in the U.S., you may have seen that teachers are walking out of classrooms. 
I mean, how unacceptable is that? I mean, that that is completely ridiculous. And what we want to do is we want to work with all these teachers out there and be part of that movement to incentivize them, to let them take charge again, empower them, to take control of what they're responsible for is to educate our kids. We should never forget that no matter what any politician says is that teachers should be enabled to teach our kids. And that's what we should take back control of. And that's what we are with this model. Well, and, and, and it sounds like, and, and I completely agree. I mean, you know, this is something I, I very much believe in as well is, is the, the decentralized um, movement of education. But at, at the core of it is, is education, right? It, it, it's the idea that we all want to learn. We all want to improve our skill sets. And when it comes to our children or, or future generations, it's, it's about giving them a foundation to build upon and, and really educating them from the ground up. And I think you're, you're hitting on this so incredibly well. Um, and I, I'm a little jealous that, you know, we are the age we are at the moment because uh, this sounds like it'd be so cool to be that child, for instance, and, you know, like us growing up in the Midwest and being able to, um, you know, take a, um, a math class, for instance, in Switzerland without having to go to Switzerland or to learn Mandarin from someone, as, as I was mentioning to you, in Shenzhen without having to be in Shenzhen. Yeah, and you're, you're learning from these traditional lessons. I mean, these, these lessons that are now being integrated with AI, but just imagine you build this relationship over time with these teachers. So now the teachers can now upsell you additional services like video lessons and so forth. So there's so much potential that you build through this relationship and bond with that teacher. And, and what are you guys doing for teachers? Is it, you know, people like you and myself or, you know, uh, other industry experts or, you know, are these traditional teachers at, at its core? Yeah, so we, we've been working with the uh, <clears throat> U.S. Department of Education, folks from that department, as well as the, min- the Chinese Ministry of Education and folks in Singapore and other countries in Europe that have... Uh, supported uh, cross-border uh, best practices, teacher training, so forth. So we've been tapping into that network and been uh, educating them as to what we were looking to do and, you know, sharing our vision. And we've gotten, uh, I'd say, a, a couple groups of teachers that have been supporting us for a few months now, and we're going to then uh, go to a massive rollout in the next few months uh, to engage them on a massive scale. And that's the whole purpose of launching uh, Goo.io. And uh, we we intend to work with. Uh, I mean, I was in I was in Chengdu, here in Sichuan, China, mm-hmm. uh, just past few days ago, and we had you know ninety five thousand people that wow. attended, and most of them are educators. And you can just you can just imagine that you know we present a a, a, a very simple user experience website, for example, that allows them to create this content, and they can they can share and see the feedback that they receive, and the parents can see the lessons, and they can see the actual results. In real time, you can imagine the the the, how, the catalyst that will be created when um, it, this takes shape. So that's what we're looking to do is we're we're looking to roll out with strategic partnerships with specific groups that have just massive amount of educators. But that does not prohibit all those folks that want to, that do homeschooling, private schools. You know, it, it's it's there for us to use social media to get this voice out there and folks like yourself. And, and, and you're, you're based in Shenzhen, you know, 
why Shenzhen and, and, and why Asia? Are you, are you looking at, I mean, 95,000 people in Chengdu is, is incredible for, um, you know, something of this magnitude. Are, are you guys focused on entering the China market? Are you focused on the education in, in Asia first and, and expanding out from there? What, what, what's kind of the, the, the why Asia uh, factor here um, as to what you guys are doing? We have uh, some very, very strategic joint venture and uh, uh, partnerships here in China, specifically. Uh, we are starting off in China first, mm-hmm. uh, but then we are uh, expanding uh, from China to Southeast Asia and India and probably mm-hmm. Russia. And then from there, we are then expanding into Europe. So we will have, uh, from an operational standpoint, operations in uh, Shenzhen and Nanjing in China okay. and in operations in, uh, in the specific region of Europe. And we chose these two areas because of the um, uh, strategic focus we have between our teams, but also because uh, of the um, opportunity we have with the uh, with the government leaders and uh, educators and the sheer uh, influence that families have for making buying decisions um, in in their household for um, after school uh, education that they put for their children. I mean, in China alone, you've got 165 million kids under 12 years old. And uh, you've got about wow. 30 or 30 percent of the uh, 30 or 35 percent of the household income is being spent on children on their kids for uh, out, out, out of school uh, education. So it's a significant, significant number. So this and is a market you could just attack. I mean, you're you're yeah. you're right there. I mean, you could just go after this and a 30 percent of 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 income. I mean, that's a that's yeah. a good chunk. That's a good chunk, and actually, you know, you think about you've got the grandparents living together with the parents, you've got with the with the kids, with the grandkids. I mean, you got this pretty pretty big homes I and mean, pretty big households that are living together, and that's just how the culture is. And that's something that if you build the right relationships and you can influence that, you can influence that number. Uh, you can get significant uh, uh, outcome and feedback, and it, that and you just roll that back into creating better user experiences. Just keep self improving. Well, and it sounds like this. I mean, I know you're targeting children right now, but you know, you get into the home. I mean, this sounds yeah. like this could be something for for mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. Uh, you know, kids. It could be something for everybody. Is that kind of the 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 next step for you guys as well as looking beyond? I I, I definitely think so, but I think that may be done through strategic partnerships. I and mean, there's some great skills based learning. Uh, companies out there that have emerged yeah and i think it'll be smart to to work with those folks the leaders in the space mm-hmm. and uh, and see where the synergies and you know where we can be complementary to each other well raj i don't want to get too much off the the education uh subject because i think it's so fascinating and being in china you know both of us and and really seeing what is happening there from an educational standpoint and again being aligned but i i gotta ask you a little bit about blockchain I mean, you yeah. are in China. We we're hearing all sorts of things of of rumors or or not about what's happening with blockchain technology versus cryptocurrency, um, and you know where the future of blockchain is in Asia. And it's a hot topic here in the United States as there's a big conference happening all week in in New York right now. Um, you are, are part of the the government. Blockchain Association. Am, am I right? Yeah, I, I currently am chairman and uh, member, member of the board of the uh, Government Blockchain Association's uh, Early Education Working Group. Yes. So, what is what is 
what is blockchain's role in the world of education? Um, what is this technology bringing to people, and, and why is it exciting um, to happen now of, of all times? So, at least for us, um, uh, you know, I, I first of all, I have you know twenty five years of privacy and, and enterprise security experience that uh, is very very uh, important to the complexion of you know we want to we want to work with kids, we want to work with families. It's important to respect our data, respect uh, their user experiences. And so uh, when it comes down to uh, educating uh, countries on security and privacy, uh, yes, we are making some headway in that area, but also implementing technologies that can help uh, initiate that process is, is, uh, is quite important. And so blockchain provides us certain capabilities, you know, that, you know, uh, for example, in the area of content, we are getting a lot of content from various different sources uh, and lots of it at the same time. And we have to be able to manage, you know, who had access to what, what access, how, how often was it accessed, how much was paid, uh, and, and, and how, you know, how many, how long was, how long was the content viewed? These are all uh, uh, attributes we need to be able to capture of each and every content. On uh, and, and if you're talking about massive amount of people hundreds of thousands to even hundreds of millions of people, you've got to be able to manage this in a systematic way that's impenetrable. And so it provides a level of security and auditability uh, back to the content folks as to how, how the content is being managed and measured. And also it provides us a level of uh, identity management, identity, identity proof for each and every single user that's using our, our network. And uh, for the blockchain, it does provide... Uh, a level of uh, more security than if not using, obviously, because, uh, you know, it's harder to hack. Uh, right, you, right, if you'd right. have to specific block, you'd have to hack the whole uh, set of blocks in front of it, which are millions and billions of blocks in front of it. So it does provide a, a, a better level of security. I, I, I think not everything is, I mean, you're not 100% uh, secure, I can say, across the board, because uh, you know, nothing is 100% safe, but you do your best to provide a level of assurance to your user without uh, causing disruption in their user experience and giving them a level of uh, satisfaction and security that you're respecting their rights, uh, informing them on the, resp- on the responsibilities, and making sure their the kids are, are getting the outcomes that they deserve before using the service. So you're using it as a, from, from, from your standpoint, from Guru, you're using it as kind of that um, you know, validation or authentication type tool to make sure what you're getting is is trusted the from the right source and also the right content it sounds like and, and on a grander scale um you're you're also seeing that as a, as a valuable uh use of the technology overall and, and the reason i say it is you know so many people talk about blockchain and you know a lot of people reference right to cryptocurrency or um you know they might not understand exactly what blockchain is and it's just um you know not clear in, in some people's minds what where the technology can be used, but it sounds like you're presenting a great use case here that uh, um, is already being applied and, and applicable in the education space. Yeah, you know, it's uh, we will be you know starting to use you know smart contracts between partners and those that are actually involved in the ecosystem. But you know, blockchain is not not a new technology; it's been around for more than almost thirty years in different forms. Um, it does provide um, it, it's it is like the next generation of of how it's being implemented in a in a distributed manner. 
in a decentralized manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are there are uh, considerations we are making that we need to take into account. Sometimes there are certain areas or certain regions where we have to have a centralized ma- manner uh, in- integrated into a decentralized approach. So we we are we like like I said from the beginning, we need to be adaptable based on a region that we're we're uh, working with, and mm-hmm. we need to respect what their specific requirements are. You know, it's so funny. I uh, I remember as kids, you know, permission slips, uh, <laughs> right? You, you get a permission slip or you got a bad grade and uh, yep. you see it in movies where the kid, you know, fakes the signature of the parent or, uh, you know, tries to avoid having to actually get it signed. I kind of feel bad for kids now. Like they're not going to be able to have that fun that we had um, no. as, as kids where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that uh, I did okay on that test, and and really you, you didn't do so well, and you faked the signature. Whereas now, I mean, kids are going to have to go to permission slips with smart contracts. I mean, who would yeah, have thought? You'll have, you'll have a digital print of your record, so basically your report card is transformed into a digital print. So it follows it follows the path of how you've been learning. So you know you, you can think about it as a different as a, as a next generation of credentialing model, where you actually earn credentials. Uh, according to you know what you've learned, so it's not that you're four years old and you're learning at a, you know you're learning at a second semester level of math. You're actually maybe learning at a ten year old level. So it all depends on how you know what's measured by those outcomes. And I mean, it it's uh, it's interesting because you you now have all that like you said you have that all on record. So you know yep. permission, permission slips are become smart contracts. Um, mm-hmm. You now can track the the level or, or growth or decrease in education that you may be receiving. So everything you do is now tracked. What's the implica- implications of that uh, f- for the future? I mean, if you are a child going through all your education and everything is tracked and documented, um, what does that do for you as a student? And, and what does that look like for the education system as a whole? I mean, if it's decentralized and it's tracked, what does the future look like for education? Uh, it's already you're already tracked, right? You're getting report cards, right? Uh, but not you're not now you're now you're actually learning what you're interested in, right? So you're you're encouraged to learn what your what your what your talents inside of you actually want to come out and and offer to the world. That's so it why sounds you're, like a better thing, right? Like we can actually so, understand who we are versus exactly. You know, I, I was told uh, there's a famous test here in in, in the U.S. the Myers Myers Briggs test. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure if it's used everywhere in the U S or outside the U S so apologies if it is, but I remember taking this and, you know, uh, in high school and reading it. And then the outcome, it said, you know, the type of job I was going to be good for, um, which is one funny that you get told that at like, uh, you know, 11 years old or 12 years old in high school. And you have this moment where you're like, Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to find out what I'm going to be. And you flip to the very last page, which makes it overly dramatic and you uh-huh. see it, and for me, it said "garbage man," <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh!" So I just took this test all day, stressed out as a freshman in high school for no reason to tell you who I am, for you to tell me back what my personality is and how I learn and what my career is going to be, and you have nothing to base that off of other than a few questions, and you know. Here we are years later, and I'm I'm doing this podcast with one of the world's you know most famous educators and blockchain experts 
So I proved that test wrong thus far. But it sounds like now those types of education, those types of tests really can be done with AI and just the data that we have as we go through the education system. I mean, is that right? In, in some manners, yeah. I mean, like, for example, uh, we, can, we can check your confidence score of how you're actually you know, pronouncing a set of words. Maybe you're learning about animals, and mm-hmm. it actually analyzes how your uh, pronunciation is. And in, in, in China, for example, the whole idea why we're, why we're implementing this is because we want to help children raise their confidence, you know, self-confidence. So you, smart. You speak, a, you speak to a teenager, you know, they may be really smart, did really well in school, but then when you try to talk with them, they're very, very shy. They lack the self-confidence. So this is something that we want them to be, uh, we want to break them out of their shell. And one of the challenges in, in China is when, when you're, you're such a smart child and you've gone through you know, some of the best schools in China, you still end up in a middle management position mm-hmm. because you, can't, you don't have that self-confidence. So you can't aspire to be the CEO of the next Fortune 500 company in, your, in Europe or, or the U.S. So we want, to, we want to encourage kids and families to think about, hey, this system is there to encourage and help your child to emerge as, a, as an amazing global citizen when they grow up so they can be that CEO, CEO or COO or whatever they want to dream to be. Wow. And, and, and I guess, you know, kind of last question for you, Raj, what, um, where, where do you see the opportunities in education and specific to Asia right now that, um, could be filled and, and whether it's to support you in your efforts or just the education system in, in general, where do you think some of those gaps are that people can start really applying more technology and, and more um, opportunities to, to help this industry really take off and, and be fruitful? So I think at least in, in, in China, there's lots of great technologies, just not enough good solutions. Um, in, in, in the U.S., it's just the opposite. There's, there's not enough <laughs> good solutions out. There's not good technologies available. Uh, it's just the same, you know, you know, go to school. It's the same routine. And what, what, what you have to factor into is how do you break that routine? So there's a lot of maker classes that are happening here in China. There's some that are happening in the, in the West Coast in San Francisco and, and New York and LA and Chicago, but they're still not breaking through in the level two, level three cities and towns in the U.S. Uh, but how to take this on a massive scale and a distributed scale? I mean, like I, like one, one thing I wanted to mention is, we're thinking about how we can, you know, offer a a, a decentralized uh, one-stop shop. So if you're a small town, you're you're you've got a, a, a small business in a small town, you can basically get one of the boxes we want to sell and say, hey, I want to run my own masternode from this small little town office that I have, and offer a low local education from a from a massive distributed manner to kids in my small town now you can bring it home to the local level and that's where i think that you can offer this uh and it can scale beyond just what what the great things that are happening here in Shenzhen. but you can start offering this on a, on a massive level and then bring in suppliers and partners that offer these kits for example robot kits at these local levels now you can scale what you've done in Shenzhen at a very local level in a small town in missouri for example man i am i'm ready for the future of education i think uh I, I think you guys have a bright future ahead of you. And, and Raj, I, uh, I'm excited to watch you kind of lead this, uh, you know, next wave of, of decentralized education and, and take us into the next generation. 
um, shout outs, any, anything you want the audience to hear, anything else you, you want everybody to know about what's, uh, what are your shout outs, uh, for everybody to tune into? Yeah. So I'd love for, first and foremost, for all the analysts that are listening, put education on the radar for what, where it's going to be making an impact or what, where AI blockchain are going to make an impact in the area of education. It always gets forgotten. Uh, second is, you know, check out guru.io, G-U-W-O-O.io, or on facebook.com forward slash guru network. Check us out. Uh, love to have your contribution and support. Uh, and all those teachers out there, we want you on board. Raj, thank you so, so much. Uh, keep fighting the good fight and leading us through this next wave of education. Um, excited to check out guru and we'll put it in the show notes so everyone can uh, check it out. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Kyle, for your time. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.